Hello and welcome to the 71st episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer. Heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we are doing something slightly different. This is what I call an addendum episode. And that's an episode where... We've covered a franchise previously, but there's a new addition to the franchise. So this week we're talking about Wolf Creek, and we originally covered that way back in episode 22, which is in May of 2019, which seems like a really long time ago at this point. As a refresher, Wolf Creek came out in 2005, followed by Wolf Creek 2 in 2014, The TV series came out the first season in 2016, and um, season two followed. Um, Both are currently available on Shudder. There are six episodes in each season, so it's a really fast watch. You can also check them out on YouTube, Google Play, Voodoo, Amazon, the usual places, and either pay by episode or forward the season as a whole. The series is based on real-life serial killer Ivan Millett, M-I-L-A-T, who in 1990 trapped backpackers in remote parts of Australia and tortured and killed them. The Wolf Creek franchise follows a probably lesser-known in the U.S. serial killer, uh, of course from Australia, named Mick Taylor, and he really, really hates tourists. He uses his Aussie charm to put them at ease, and then he kills and tortures them in horrible ways. And we're not really sure how many people he has killed at this point, but it's a lot. Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first movie, critics gave it a 53. Audiences gave it a 49. Wolf Creek 2, critics gave it a 49. Audiences gave it a 39. And the TV series right now is listed as critics 77%. Audience is 64%, which puts the TV series as being rated higher than the original movie, which is somewhat unusual. Not a lot of trivia just for Season 3. So um, I'm just going to go over the plot real quick of the movies um, and then talk about a couple of new developments. So the first Wolf Creek movie had three backpackers that was two British tourists and their Australian friend and they were taken hostage by Mick and obviously it doesn't end well. Uh, The first movie was made for 1.4 million and had a box office of 27.7 million that's in US dollars so it did very well. And then Wolf Creek 2 featured Mick chasing a German couple excuse me and a British tourist and it had a budget of 3.7 million and a box office of 4.3 million so not nearly as successful as the first movie and then season one of the tv series um, which uh, both seasons aired on the australian stand network the first season had college student eve as the sole survivor uh, she's american as the sole survivor uh, of her family being massacred by mick she then decides to seek revenge and is one tough cookie. And in the second season, Mick kidnaps a busload of tourists and then drugs and transports them to the outback 
where he can pick them off one by one. Um, season 2 hints that the Wolf Creek Crater, which is what the series is named after, it's a meteorite crater in the outback, has some sort of supernatural effect on people. We really don't get much in the terms of details, but in the first movie, we saw people's watches and cars stop when they were near the crater. It seems now, by season two of the TV series, that Mick wants some sort of notoriety from the police as a killer who's responsible for all the tourist deaths. And before, I think he just killed people because he enjoyed killing people. Season 2 started out a bit slow, and the ending was a bit less suspenseful than I would have hoped for, but I still enjoyed the series overall. Um, I thought Mick would have picked off everyone at the bus uh, immediately after dragging them out there, but instead he lets them wander around in the desert and die of dehydration, snake bites, and other stuff. Um... So that's what made the show drag a bit. So John Jarrett, who plays Mick, continues to shine in the role. I think he's a great villain. Um, and now before we talk about the rest, I just wanted to stop for a minute. The uh, music, the intro music for Season 2 is from someone named Sabrina Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. And she is um, had done an acoustic version of Land Down Under by Minute Work on YouTube and apparently the um, production company or whoever it was saw her video and contacted her and used her music for season two and I think it's really the one of the best um, covers of Land Down Under. So here she is Sabrina Schultz and uh, Land Down Under. Legal Troubles. When we previously uh, reviewed Wolf Creek, I had said that 66-year-old, um, at that time, John Jarrett was due to go to trial in July 2019. He was accused of raping a then 19-year-old woman in Sydney where they shared a house in 1976. The woman did not make the complaint to the police until 2017. So it looked like the um, future of the Wolf Creek series was um, up, in, up for debate, uh, given that the lead character might be in jail. 
so what happened after the trial is uh, the trial occurred in July and the jury took 15 minutes to come back with a unanimous not guilty verdict. So John Jarrett has been um, found innocent of all charges. And now because of that, he's back with the series and as of July of this year, he said um, in an article that both a third movie, Wolf Creek movie, and a third season of the TV series are in the works. Both he and writer, director, producer, John McClain, I'm sorry, Craig McClain, are on board to return. There is, of course, no ETA as to when those will be released. Uh, one of the main reasons is they were on other projects um, at that time, and also, of course, because of COVID. So that's something to look forward to. Why should you watch these movies? Well, uh, as I said, Mick is a lesser-known um, serial killer, but he's a really a great character, um, a very menacing character. I, I really enjoy his portrayal, John Jarrett's portrayal of him. Uh, but the series is ultra-violent, so you can kind of think of it as an Australian saw or hostile. So that might not be your thing. Uh, so if you're squeamish about those sorts of things, you might not want to watch it. But um, if you do like hostile, saw, Friday the 13th, Halloween, this might be for you. The recipe, it should come as no surprise, obviously we're going with something from Australia. And I'll include a quick link to the um, two things that I found for recipes. One was something from Better Homes and Gardens, uh, the Australian version, where someone did a poll of the 10 most popular dishes in Australia. Let me look, take a quick look at those. And they said that the, from the poll, I think um, the name of the company did the poll is Continental. I don't know who that is, unless it's the airlines. Um, but the number one winner was lamb. But the other things that were on the list that we might not know about, or at least I didn't know about, was number 10 is called Witchety Grubs. That's witch. W-I-T-C-H-E-T-T-Y grubs, and it's really a grub. Um, they're fat, white, moth larvae that taste like chicken. According to Nomad's World, I guess that's a magazine or a website, they pack as much protein as a whole steak. And we think that should be enough to put them in the running for the National Food of Australia. So never heard of that before. Looks kind of gross, but hey, whatever if you're hungry. Fish and chips, of course, no surprise. Um, not just for the British, but also Aussies like their fish and chips. Uh, and why, of course, lots of fresh fish. Since they're on a big giant island. Something called pavlova, and that is meringue-based cake with whipped cream and fruit on top of a creamy dessert. Um, it's an Australian kiwi which is New Zealand uh, favorite. It was concocted in honor of Russian ballerina Anna Pavlova, and both Aussies and Kiwis both claim that it came from them first. Meat pies. Um, these, I guess, are ubiquitous pies are often favored as post-drinking binge meals. 
The fillings vary. The most common ones are ground meat, onion, gravy, mushrooms, and potatoes, making them hearty and satisfying meals on any occasions. Here's something called barramundi, and um, barramundi means large-scale river fish in Aboriginal language. Um, it's very popular in Australian restaurants where it's often served grilled or pan-seared, paired with a salad or roasted vegetables. Lamingtons. Lamingtons are a dessert and let's see. They're like a sponge cake that's coated in chocolate and coconut shavings. Sometimes they're made to a sandwich of two cakes with raspberry jam or cream in the middle paired with tea or coffee. Barbecued snags. I didn't know what a snag was. A snag is a sausage. Burger with beetroot. This one's interesting. It's a burger, of course. Uh, Aussies like their burgers, but beetroot apparently is um, not something necessarily you'd find in the U.S. on a hamburger, but they uh, really like it in Australia, uh, where they call it a beetroot, but of course we just call it a plain old beet here. Avocados, always great. I love avocados. And chicken parmesan. For some reason, Australians really, really like chicken parmesan. So, um, let's see. And it's kind of a chicken schnitzel topped with Italian-inspired tomato sauce and melted cheese. So that's from the list of Better Homes and Gardens from Australia. And then I also had a list from CNN of 40 dishes locals like to call their own from Australia. I'm obviously not going to hit all of them. Some of them we've already talked about. Number 40, Witchy Grub. We already talked about that. Anzac Biscuits. That is um, biscuits commemorating the members of the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps, which was known as Anzac, A-N-Z-A-C, who fought in World War One. Emu, poor little emus, uh, macadamia nuts, damper, damper is um, cheap Australian food that was a staple of road workers and bushies in the days gone by. It's soda bread made from wheat flour, water, a pinch of salt, um, and that's what it used to be made from, and now it can be made a little fancier with milk and self-rising flour. Pea and ham soup, which I really like. Wheat bisque. Wheat bisque is a... <coughs> excuse me. It's a, it's a brick-like dessert that's found in uh, a number of countries. And um, it's W-E-E-T-B-I-X. So check that out. It has like um, their breakfast biscuits of whole green wheat. Lamingtons we already talked about. Salt and pepper calamari. That's self-explanatory. Fish and chips already talked about. John Dory fillets named after a guy named John Dory. Um, iced vovo v o v o uh, is a wheat flour biscuit with a stripe of pink fondant on either side of of raspberry jam and sprinkle with coconuts in a sweet, soft, and crunchy um, taste. 
It is made by biscuit company Arnott's, who is an Australian food uh, institution, and they are a subsidiary of the U.S.-based Campbell Fruit Company, which I didn't know. Uh, barbecued snacks, as we already said, snag is a sausage. Uh, Balmain bugs, B-A-L-M-A-I-N, that is a species of lobster, which is smaller than other lobster, has no claws, and only its tail contains edible meat, but like lobster, it's worth the slippery fingers and um, dining dedication. Pavlova, we already talked about, prawn cocktails, Tim Tams, Tim Tams are cookies, uh, after watching the TV seri Australian TV series Wentworth, which I love, I went and searched Tim Tams, and surprisingly, the local grocery store has a number of different varieties of them. So, uh, those are also made by Arnott's, and um, check them out. They're pretty tasty. Da Dagwood Dog. Um, it's, it's a frankfurt on a stick that's battered and deep fried, and found at some carnivals. There's an SAO biscuit, Salvation Army Officer, there's SAO, uh, Cherry Ripe is Australia's oldest chocolate bar. The Cherry Ripe consists of coconut and cherries smothered in Cadbury's Old Gold Dark Chocolate. Fairy Bread has an interesting name. It's sliced white bread cut into triangles, smeared with butter and margarine, and covered with hundreds and thousands um, uh, which sticks to the bread for a bright multicolored treat. So it's uh, sprinkles. A staple of kids' parties and easy to make. Pigs in a blanket. Uh, Chico roll, C-H-I-K-O roll. That's uh, deep fried beef uh, with cabbage, barley, carrots, onions, etc. Uh, spag boil, S-P-A-G B-O-L. Um, that's spaghetti, bologna, uh, for, I don't know what that is. Um, I'm going to skip that one because I am not sure. Seafood pizza, number 11, crocodile, oh boy. Vegemite. Vegemite comes in a jar and it's like a spread. Uh, of course, that's in the Men at Work song that uh, I just played. Um, but you can find Vegemite in the U.S. if you want to try it out. I actually have never tried it. I would like to try it. It's a kind of dark brown food paste made from yeast extract as opposed to the British version, uh, which is Marmite, which is a vegetable extract. Cheese and bacon rolls, grilled kangaroo. I'm not going to read that one because I like kangaroos. Um... Bar on Monday, I already talked about that. Crab sticks, fantails. Fantails are chewy caramel coated uh, milk chocolate. It's renowned for yellow and blue wrapping with movie trivia on it. Chicken and corn soup, green chicken curry pie. And number one on this list is also hamburger with beetroot. So uh, I think uh, beetroot Beets are getting a lot more play in Australia than they typically do, it seems, in American cuisine. So that's what I got for the foods for this time around. So some of that's pretty interesting and things that we don't typically think about here in the U.S. Uh, now where to find us 
We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. In conclusion, stay safe, stay home if you can, and uh, if you are in the U.S. in your home, you don't have to worry about being attacked by Mick because he really, really hates tourists. So um, until next time, remember, wear a mask. Um, We're all in this together. Take care. Bye.